Okay, we're going to be talking about Christmas today. Now, I have asked, why is Christmas of all holidays the one time of year when there seems to be more suicides, there seems to be more depression, more heartaches, even among Christians now, than any other time throughout the year? Well, as I was searching for a reason why, I believe that the Lord began to reveal something. Christmas could and should be the most explosive and the most life-changing time of the entire year if it were taught and understood. But instead, what we've done, we've compromised with the world and we've taught a watered-down Christmas message. That, that disturbs me so much. Some people say, but we still teach the birth of the baby Jesus. Yes, but that's almost where we stop. And so the church has so compromised and so missed the opportunity for a really explosive message that could absolutely change the world. The Christmas message could change the world. And we've traded in sometimes for a time of just showering gifts and cooking a lot of fancy foods. Now, there's nothing wrong with giving gifts, but when it has deteriorated and to just that, it's a compromise that's opened the door to the enemy, and it's given him special privileges over this holiday. Now, this single holiday, if it's taught and if it's used the right way, it could literally now turn the unsaved worlds upside down because Christmas lays out the perfect plan of salvation. Now, the redemption plan of God is so perfectly described in this holiday. If we as a church have failed to pass it on, we, we've just missed our opportunity. Now, sadly, we have said, well, I celebrate the nativity because it has a very special place in history. But that's what we've done. We've simply given it a special place in history. And that's why the world even feels comfortable celebrating Christmas because there's really no conviction. It's just, it just has its place in history. Now, even the man on the street feels comfortable with the baby in a manger. That's not intimidating. You know, they don't mind, oh, that beautiful baby in a manger, and they, they love that. But it's not doing what Christmas is supposed to do. And in so doing, what we've done, we've compromised the foundation of the gospel, and we've opened the door now to the enemy on a feast day that should be giving hope to the entire world. But instead, so many people have turned to self-destruction out of despair because just a cute story of a baby in a manger now and a Christmas tree full of lights now, that doesn't give the hope, that doesn't give the miracle that we should be giving. So I want us to think for just a moment now about other religions. Every religion in the world presents nothing more than a code of ethics requiring the participant now to strive on his own to kind of live up to the goal that they set in front of them. Now, unfortunately, that's how Christianity has been presented so many times. Just a bunch of do's and don'ts toward which one strives but never reaches. Therefore, the world has just kind of lumped Christianity in with all the other religions. But today, what I'm wanting, I want us to look just a little more deeply into the Christmas story. I want us to take just a few steps deeper because they can make all the difference in the world. Now, we can give more to the world if we just know the truth. But we can't give more to the world until we have more inside of us to give. And that's what I'm wanting us to come back to. Now in Luke 2, 8 through 11, and in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the field and they were keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, don't be afraid for behold, I bring good news of a great joy. Okay, that little phrase right there just could sum up Christmas. I bring you good news of a great joy. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior. Think about that. He's been born for us a Savior, someone who can save us, who is Christ the Lord. 
Okay, now notice that it says that he is born for you. He's born to us, for us. Now, this is unlike any other religion in the world who just has a God to rule over them. Immediately, we see something entirely different here. Now, in the Christmas story, here is a God who is born for us, to us, not to rule over us necessarily, but to be born for a blessing, to be a blessing to us. Jesus was born to and for everyone on the face of this earth. Now, when a child is born to a couple, that child belongs to that couple. Jesus was born to us. He was born for us. He was born to belong to us because it's what we needed. It's what we had to have. God so loved the world that he gave this baby to the human race, not to be a dictator over us, but to be given as a gift. He's just constantly saying that he's our gift. He's a gift to us. Now, in the book of the Philippians, it says he didn't think his equality to God a thing to be grasped onto. In other words, it wasn't something that he would hang on to. But he emptied himself. He gave it all up. He was obedient to be given as a gift to the world. He was given to each one of us individually to meet the desperate need that we had. That's what Christmas is all about. Now, Luke 2 verse 11 said, A Savior has been born for you, someone to deliver you from your impossible dilemma. In other words, this, this deliverer was born to provide us with what we desperately needed, not what he needed. He, he came and gave us himself for what we needed. Now, in all the other religions, it amounts to how much man can deprive himself. But here we find that a baby is given as a gift to become for us deliverance from all of our impossible situations. And in verse 10, the angel said, I come to give you good news. Everything about Christmas is good news. And he said, this gift is going to be a great joy for all people. Christmas should be the most joyful time in the world. It should absolutely just burst in our hearts. And when we understand what it's all about, it will. Now, for how many people was this good news given? He says it was given for all people, not just for a select few, but this Jesus was a gift given at Christmas for all people. Now, some people don't realize this, but joy, it's not describing an earthly emotion. Joy is a spiritual force. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's a characteristic of God himself. Now, joy is not the same thing as happiness. Happiness is an earthly term. Happiness is controlled by all of our physical circumstances. But joy is not controlled by our physical circumstances. Joy comes from our spirit man. It comes up out of our innermost being. And no matter how bad the situation we're in appears to be, joy can still come bubbling up out of our inner man because it's a spiritual force. We need to see what it really is. Now, why were the angels filled with so much joy? It was because of the best news that had ever been told. I mean, it had to be pretty good news for all the hosts of heaven to be rejoicing. You know, a baby had been given as a gift to meet every need that we would ever encounter. And we didn't have to earn it. We didn't have to pay for it. It was given. It was a gift. Now, that baby was sent to deliver us from every bondage. It, and this baby was sent to prepare us and preserve us from eternal hellfire. That one thing alone should make us just start rejoicing. He came to provide for us whatever our needs might be. Those are all good news things. God wasn't thinking what man could do for him. Man was a helpless mess. Instead, the God of the entire universe was thinking what he could do for us. 
Now, you're not going to find another religion in the world that thinks like that. There's not another one. Okay, now let me give you an example. Have you ever experienced giving a gift to a person who could not reciprocate? You know, to give them something they needed and wanted desperately, but they had no way to get it for themselves. So when a gift like that is given... It does give joy to the receiver, but it also gives so much joy to the giver because it's a spiritual power force. And God has so much joy in giving us this gift. Now, joy is actually the character trait of God. So when he gave this gift, a joy that could not even be expressed in words rose up in such strength now that the entire host of heaven couldn't hold the joy back. You saw that, you know, with all the angels just rejoicing. They couldn't stop rejoicing. Heaven itself could not retain the joy. When it rose up in God, it literally rumbled the courts of heaven, so much so that the heavenly host, they all got involved. And in Luke 2, verse 13, it said, And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, and they were all praising God. Now, even the shepherds were so overcome that they actually left their flocks and ran to see this miracle. But sadly, the church now, down through the ages, has begun to take this gift so nonchalantly. This is such a sad thing when we think about it, that instead of joining in with the host of heaven, who were still praising and rejoicing and celebrating Christ's coming, instead, we're worrying about what gift we're going to get for Aunt Sally this year at Christmas. We're worrying about what we're going to cook for everybody that's coming for the dinner. See, the shepherds couldn't contain themselves because they were so privileged to be joining in and shouting and rejoicing and just praising with the angels. Can you imagine those, what those shepherds felt when they were praising with the angels? And in verse 14, it was indeed glory to God in the highest, and on earth it was peace among men with whom God was pleased. Wow, think about it. God was pleased with us. I can't imagine God being pleased with man, but he was pleased with us. He's loved us enough to give this gift. Now, sometimes we don't realize that for the first time on earth since the fall of man, peace and goodwill had come. Think about that. The first time on earth that this had happened. So I want to say it again. I want us to stop and realize that literally for the first time on earth since the fall of man, peace and goodwill had come to earth. This is good news. Christmas is good news. Today, it doesn't look like all that much peace and goodwill because the peace and the goodwill that they're celebrating on that first Christmas now was peace and goodwill that at last there was peace between heaven and earth. That's what the peace and goodwill was all about it. Well, when we think about the fact that for the first time we have peace with God, we can absolutely go into the throne room of God. Of course, that should give us so much joy that we can hardly contain it. Where the earth had been alienated from heaven, not because God had alienated the earth, but because sin had alienated alienated it. But because of what this child was sent to do now, this alienation was going to be gone and peace was finally accomplished for the first time on earth. For example, if you'll think about during a war and a time of alienation, an ambassador many times, an ambassador of peace now, he goes to that foreign nation with a treaty to get them to sign to bring peace. Well, that's almost exactly what we're talking about here. An ambassador of peace had been sent from heaven because there was a wall between heaven and earth. And it was a wall that God didn't build, but there was a wall between us and heaven. And sin had built that wall. And Christ, our ambassador now, had come from heaven to sign a treaty in his own blood. It was a treaty of peace. It was a truce signed in his blood and signed in his death to bring peace for the first time to man. 
If we had nothing else about Christmas to rejoice over, we, that could keep us rejoicing forever. In Isaiah 53, verse 5, out of the Amplified Bible in the Old Testament, it had prophesied about Christ's death on the cross that was finally going to bring peace between heaven and earth. So God had told us about it ahead of time. Man knew about it if, if he was reading his Bible. And in Isaiah 53, 5, it says, He, Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt, all of our guilt, all of our iniquities. The chastisement needful that was necessary to obtain peace and well-being for us had fallen upon him, and with his stripes that wounded him, we were healed and we were made whole. Okay, so it was peace now that was going to give us access into the throne room. I want you to think about that. We had not had access into the throne room at this point. But this peace, because of the blood of Jesus, was going to allow us into the throne room to come into God's own presence. When we think about that, that should absolutely just cause something to burst inside of our hearts. This is the good news that we can't even put into words. There's no way to describe it. Now, we read that the child was God incarnated from a virgin birth, but until we realize the significance of that, that's not even going to really mean that much. And, and we still don't realize that what was given made the difference in where we were going to spend eternity. Christmas was letting us know for the first time that it was going to be possible to spend an eternity with God. They didn't have that before. No wonder the angels were rejoicing. No wonder they were excited. They were experiencing and, and looking on to a gift that I'm sure they could hardly even contain. Now, we have to realize what we actually have in the virgin birth because we can't give to the world what we've not yet fully received ourselves. If we haven't possessed it, we're not going to be able to give it away. So that's why it's so important for us to understand this. For it to become explosive and spread into the hearts and lives of people and turn their lives right side up, we're going to have to understand what we have because we're not going to appreciate it till we understand what, what we've really been given. Now, since sin entered through man, therefore only through man now could redemption come. God could not do this for us as God. He couldn't do that. He had to do it as a man. Now, Adam had been given all the rule and authority on this earth. Therefore, it belonged to man. And Satan wanted it. He saw what man had. He saw what man could do. And he wanted it. And he manipulated until he succeeded in tempting Eve now to sin. And when that happened, Satan absolutely was able to take over the authority over this entire earth. And that's why when Satan was tempting Jesus by offering him the worldly powers, if man would just worship him, it was a true temptation because Satan had it to give and it was his to give. Therefore, Satan had the authority to give it. You Don't you know Satan felt good about himself and here he was tempting Jesus and he thought, whoa, you know, if I can get hold of this, I've got it made. Well, in Luke 4 verse 5, it says Satan led Jesus up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. Now, since all these kingdoms were so important to Satan, you know he thought they were going to be important to Jesus too. You know he thought, oh, when I offer him all of this, this is going to be a temptation he can't overlook because all of these kingdoms, they absolutely belong to Satan now. They were his to give. Therefore, it was necessary for Jesus to refuse what man had accepted. Now, I want you to stay with me because something bigger than we realized happened when, when Adam failed. We need to realize something much bigger than we realized. Man didn't just become a sinner when he sinned. No, he became spiritually dead. There's a big difference. He, his spirit man died. You'll remember the, the Bible tells us, in dying, you will die. 
he spiritually became a child of the devil, according to John 8, verse 42. And that nature began to show up immediately. If you'll think about it, the firstborn uh, son murdered his brother. And Jesus said that Satan was a murderer from the beginning. So that nature, boy, it was appearing instantly. It wasn't like two or three generations later it started showing up. It showed up instantly. Literally, man became a child of the enemy. So it was not just a matter of needing to be forgiven. He was going to have to have his birth nature changed. And that's what Christmas is all about. That's the reason why man can't become saved by just good conduct, you know, just acting good or or performing good deeds. That's not going to be enough. All the good deeds in the world are not going to be able to change what had already taken place. That a person who had never accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior, he is a child of the devil, and he's going to go to hell with his father, the devil. That's just a known fact. And it doesn't matter how good a life he leads, unless he can change his birthright to belong to somebody else. He's doomed. He has no hope. Now, every person has to have a new birth. And so many people in the world, they don't realize that. Maybe they hear it occasionally, but but so many people have not taken it in. Every person on the face of this earth has to be born again or he's doomed. And that's the joy. That's the excitement now that the angels were celebrating on that first Christmas. They realized that. And they were celebrating and rejoicing because it had now been made possible at last. Man could have a way to get back to God. Now, Jesus had come to take the penalty of sin on his own body so that man could at last now escape the eternal damnation that he had chosen. And sadly, man had chosen it. It was not a choice that God made. Now, up until what Christ came to do at Christmas, there was no hope. Satan had become man's legal father. You know, my children could act like somebody else's children all day long, and that's not going to change the fact that they're my children. Well, in the same way, man can try to act nice and act more like God, and it still doesn't change who he belongs to. Now, there are a lot of people in church, and this is the sad part. There are a lot of people in church, but if they never have their birth nature supernaturally changed by accepting Jesus, it doesn't matter how much they call themselves a Christian, they are still not God's child, and they still belong to Satan until they finally realize that. Now, all the good deeds they do in the world doesn't change their sin nature. They can do a lot of good deeds, but that's not going to change a thing until their sin nature is changed. Man's only hope was for God to intervene and for them to become born again. Man cannot get to God by himself. He can't do it in his own self-efforts. Now, you can see why man subconsciously yearned for the incarnation. And that's where the virgin birth comes in that's so very important. And so many people, they don't pay that much attention to the virgin birth, but it is the answer. Jesus could not have bought our salvation if he had a sin nature, but he still had to buy it as a man. It had to have been done legally. Now, Satan's seed is the lost human race, but woman has no seed of her own. Only a man produces a seed. Therefore, that which is produced by man's seed, it's going to have a sin nature. And that's why it was absolutely necessary for Jesus to be born of a virgin who had not received the seed of man. Now, God knew that man needed the physical body. That's what he got when he was birthed. But his seed could not come from man or or it would have been a sinful seed. And then the whole redemption plan of God would have gone down the drain if that had happened. So where did the seed come from? 
Well, he tells us very clearly in Luke 1, verse 35. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. So the Holy Spirit planted that seed down inside of Mary's womb supernaturally. Therefore, it was a virgin birth. No man was involved. Now, that's why the virgin birth is absolutely necessary. The virgin birth is the single most important fact about the Christmas story. No wonder Satan fights it so hard. But we need to remember that the virgin birth is the single most important fact of, this, of the Christmas story. Now, if she had received her seed from man, the whole redemptive plan of God would have been lost. Now, Satan is fine with the baby in a manger. He doesn't mind that. He's fine with even the angels. He's fine with the wise men. He's fine with the shepherds. He doesn't mind us exalting all these things, but he attacks the virgin birth, both obviously and subtly, because it is the very core issue of what God did that had to be done. God couldn't redeem man as, as God alone because man had already given that up. So God had to do it as, as God incarnated in, in man. So I want you to hear this. It is the most important thing you're going to hear in this lesson. The very most important thing. If the virgin birth and God incarnated in man is not understood and taught, it's a gospel with no hope. There's absolutely no hope because it's no different than the other religions. So mark that down. This is something we have to remember. We have to do something about now, Galatians 4, 4, and 5, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Now, we find the innate craving for the incarnation of God in man. All down through the ages, there's an innate craving. It's because that's something we have to have. The incarnation of God was God's answer to man's lost state. Therefore, Satan has tried to counterfeit it ever since. He's done everything he could to counterfeit this. For example, the Hindu religion is always claiming that this man or some man was incarnate God because he's trying to imitate what he knows we have to have. So some say, well, what's the difference? They think it's still just a bunch of rules that man's trying to live up to. It is just rules in other religions, and that's why it doesn't work. But it's totally different in Christianity. It may look the same to people, and it may deceive them and pull them into it, but it's totally different in Christianity. God became incarnated in the man Jesus to do for us what we absolutely could not do for ourselves. Number one, he paid the price for our sins that we certainly couldn't do for ourselves. Number two, he paid the penalty of death for us by dying a horrible death, but it had to be a death suffered by someone who had no sin. And number three, then he went a step further than that. To anyone who would accept the way that God had provided through Christ, the Holy Spirit overshadowed that one even as he did to Mary, he overshadows that one and he supernaturally plants his nature and his life inside of that one. And they supernaturally at that point become a new creation with a new nature, the nature of God himself. When we hear that, there should be something inside of us that just leaps for joy. Old things pass away and all things become new. So what happened to Mary in her womb happens to us in our spirit when we accept Jesus. It's, it's the same thing. He supernaturally implants his nature inside of us. And at that point, we become a new creation. Instantly, we become God's child rebirthed inside of him. Now, John 3 verse 6 says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. 
And that's why he says you must be born again. Now we get rid of the first parent. We get rid of Satan because that was our first parent. And we become the born again child of God. And God's nature is planted inside of our spirit man when we accept him as our Lord. Do you see the difference? Do you see why the virgin birth? Do you see why the incarnation? There is so much more to Christmas than a baby in a manger. We've reduced it to that, but but there's so much more than that. And there's certainly more than the exchange of gifts and, and good deeds. These gifts and good deeds are fine, but they have really nothing to do with Christmas. It's Christ's birth that makes our new birth possible. When With Jesus, we get a new beginning. We get a new birth in our spirit. And it's supernatural by the power of the God of the universe. Now, we could not undo our fallen spiritual birth any more than we could undo our physical birth. But God paid the price with his death on the cross, and he made a way supernaturally for anyone who would accept his unbelievable sacrifice. Now, no wonder there was so much joy among the angels. You know, no wonder, because they understood all this, and they knew what was being offered. Now, the invitation to spend an eternity in heaven with God was finally able to be offered once again. At Christmas time, no wonder we celebrate Christmas. And it came when he chose to come and die in our place. And Satan will have to relinquish this holiday when the church quits, which quits teaching a watered-down history story. We've got to get away from that. We've got to teach the truth. And uh, when we don't, all the supernatural is being left out. And when the church begins telling the world what Christmas is really about, then it's going to change the world. Christmas is the celebration of the incarnation of God's nature and life coming into whoever will just receive it. He's offering it to everyone. Anyone that will receive it, it comes into them. Then instead of the depression and the suicide that haunts this holiday, we're going to start celebrating this miracle that has made eternal life a possibility. I mean, that, I mean that's when you're going to see Christians dancing and jumping and clapping and celebrating. Praise God, we no longer have to remain Satan's child. We can now become once again the child of the God of the universe because of Jesus, the firstborn of many. And we can be born again to a new dad now. We can be born again to our Abba Father. Now, Christianity is different than any other religion in the world. So many times people in the world, they don't realize that. But there's no other religion in the world that's like Christianity. John 1.12 says to all who receive Jesus, he gave them the power to become the sons of God. No other religion gives that. When we receive Jesus, we have been given the power to become the sons of God to those who believe in his nature, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. And then Matthew 10 verse 7 then says, go out and preach. Go preach this saying, the kingdom of God has come to you. The kingdom of God is at hand. And then we'll be able to take on even the attributes of God where we can heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Because freely as we begin to receive, we can start freely giving because we become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now, it's not our power. It's the power of the incarnated nature of God. When we receive Jesus, we're not a poor sinner saved by grace. We are a new, a brand new creation. We are the righteousness of God in Christ at that point. We now have his nature because we're no longer a child of the devil. We were a child of the devil. But no wonder when when the angels realized that we could receive Jesus and become a child of God, no longer a child of the enemy. They were rejoicing because they thought, boy, they're going to be rejoicing with us. But too many people don't realize this yet. 
And that's why this message has to get out so that we can rejoice with the angels. We need to be rejoicing all year and then at Christmas time really have a celebration. Christmas is a picture of the redemptive plan of God and it needs to be presented that way to the world. Not just a time of giving presents, but a time where we show the world that this is the redemptive plan of God. When this becomes a reality, we're going to be shouting with those angels at Christmas, you know. Christmas will never be the same to us again. Now, Satan has tried so hard to rob the the virgin birth. He's tried to rob the incarnation of God in man. And those are the two most important and significant things in the world. And they were given to us as a gift at Christmas. That's why we celebrate Christmas, not for the the physical gifts. But why we celebrate Christmas is because the two most powerful and significant things in the world were given to us as a gift at Christmas. That's your Christmas present from God himself. Father, we can't even begin to thank you enough for this. Father, I pray that you'll have each one of us realize that we don't want to celebrate Christmas just because it's a fun time to get gifts and go to parties and do all these things. Father, those things are fun, and we do those because uh, there is so much joy at Christmas. But Father, help us to come to the place where we realize why there's joy at Christmas, why we're excited at Christmas, why it is a supernatural time that everything becomes different at this time of year. It's because, Father, for the first time, you've given us a way back to you where Satan will no longer have to be our father, but we can receive you and receive our Heavenly Father as our God, our Lord, Jesus as our Savior. Father, we thank you. We thank you for Christmas. I pray, Lord, that as we realize this, we will celebrate Christmas not only just every year, but all through the year for this unbelievable gift that you've given to us. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.